0: Scripture reading this morning is from the 20th chapter of Jeremiah. That's found on page 679. If you like to follow along in the Old Testament from your Pew Bible, that's page 679, uh, the 20th chapter of Jeremiah, starting in verse 7. O Lord, you have enticed me, and I was enticed. You have overpowered me, and you have prevailed. I have become a laughing stock all day long. Everyone mocks me. For whenever I speak, I must cry out, I must shout, violence and destruction. For the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and a derision all day long. If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, then within me there is something like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. For I hear many whispering, terror is all around, denounce him, let us denounce him. All my close friends are watching for me to stumble. Perhaps he can be enticed and we can prevail against him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me like a dread warrior. Therefore, my prosecutors will stumble and they will not prevail. They will be greatly shamed for they will not succeed. Their eternal dishonor will never be forgotten. O Lord of hosts, you test the righteous, you see the heart and the mind. Let me see your retribution upon them, for to you I have committed my cause. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for he has delivered the life of the needy from the hands of the evildoers. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word.
1: Our Gospel this lesson this morning comes from the 10th chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew, that can be found on page 10 in the New Testament portion of your pew Bibles. The uh, text as listed in the bulletin is verses 24 through 39, but I want to back up a little bit and I want to start in verse 5 and go through verse 42. So it's going to be a longer Gospel lesson this morning. But that's that's okay, I was just kind of sitting here, and we won't do page five of the sermon. (laughs) Matthew 10. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not take a road leading to Gentiles, and do not enter a Samaritan town, but go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with skin diseases, cast out demons. You received without payment, give without payment. Take no gold or silver or copper in your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or staff, for laborers deserve their food. Whatever town or village you enter, Find out who in it is worthy and stay there until you leave. As you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not come, uh, welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave that house or town. Truly, I tell you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on that day of judgment than for that town. I'm sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of them, for they will hand you over to councils and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings because of me as a testimony to them and the Gentiles. When they hand you over, Do not worry about how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you at that time. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Sibling will betray sibling to death. And a father, his child, and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated because because of my name. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in this town, flee to the next. For truly, I tell you, you will have not finished going through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, or a slave above the master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher and the slave like the master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, How much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them. For nothing is covered that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And even the hairs on your head are all counted. So do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others, I also will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I also will deny before my Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace on the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and daughter against her mother and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And one's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Whoever welcomes you welcomes me. Whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. This is the gospel of the Lord. Let us pray. Give us ears to hear the word that is calling to our hearts. That we may not just understand with our intellect and our minds, but that we will understand by how we live our lives to the glory of Christ. In whose name we gather and pray. Amen. There is a difference between pointing out the truth, which some may find annoying, and just being annoying. Sometimes pointing out the truth to some is annoying, but that's very different than just deciding to be annoying. When I drive to work, I drive down a residential side street to avoid the traffic snarl at the light at 111th and Kedzie near my house. So I cut down another street to get to 115th, which is more directly cut through. As I'm about two-thirds of the way down towards 115th Street, on the left-hand side, as I'm driving along, there is a house with a flag, a massive flag that hangs from the little flag holder on their front porch. And on the flag are two words. The second word is Biden. The first word is a word that I will not say from the pulpit, even if I'm quoting. It's not a kind word. And it's certainly not an endorsement, or a positive endorsement, of our current president. I've often considered parking my car, and ringing the doorbell, and asking the homeowner why he would post that flag in his front yard where even small children could see it, perhaps ask what it means. Perhaps even ask what perversion would make the owner want to do that to the president. But regardless of one's politics or how you feel about the current occupant of the White House, pretty much everyone finds that word offensive. Now, I haven't pulled over. I haven't engaged the flag's owner. Even on those days when I'm wearing a clerical collar and I think it would be even more effective. (laughs) Why? not? really because I'm scared. It's more because I really have no interest in having a conversation with someone who has decided that that was the next thing they should do with their time. It just doesn't seem like the kind of person with whom I want to engage if that's how they adorn their residence. The flag is not an invitation for thoughtful engagement. It is not even a desire to change my opinion about political policies. It is there for the sole purpose of annoying me. And it's working! (laughs) I am confident that this individual has immediate neighbors, maybe even family members, who have already expressed their disapproval. And I'm also sure that those conversations haven't gone well. Most likely there's been some rage about freedoms granted to the First Amendment and his right to post flags on one's own property. I offer that as a stark example of someone who is just being annoying for annoying sake. When Jesus tells his disciples that some of those who hear the message of the gospel will be offended... It was not a commendation for his disciples to go out and be offensive. It was a warning that some people were going to be offended by the gospel of peace. Jesus tells them that if his religious opponents were going to compare him, Jesus, to Beelzebub, one of the names for the demonic Uh, the name that translates quite literally Lord of the Flies. You can hear the poetic quality Beelzebub. And where do flies congregate? Beelzebub was the Lord of the place where flies congregate. And that was the insult that they heaped upon Jesus. You are doing what you're doing by Beelzebub. And Jesus goes on to say, If they say your teacher is of Beelzebub, imagine what they're going to say about you, his followers. It will only go down from there. And so they should not be surprised if people are contentious about them. It was a warning that people would be offended by their message of and so they should not be surprised by persecution or that their message is found threatening even to some family members but don't allow even the members of your household even your parents to steer you away from speaking the truth and doing what is good. That's quite different from a cult A cult will instruct their captives that they are required to reject their fathers and mothers and sisters and brothers and neighbors and kin as a sign of their allegiance. A disciple of Jesus may be the one who is rejected, but that is not their goal. It is a consequence. If you come and say, peace be on this house, And if that's not a welcome message to those who refuse to be embraced by the gospel of peace, then Jesus says, don't be shocked, don't be appalled, don't enter into some goofy argument, just move on your way to the next house with the same invitation. The prophet Jeremiah has a beef with God. His complaint was that whenever he prophesied what God had given to him, the people were profoundly upset. His was a message of inevitable doom and gloom at a time when nobody wanted to hear it. They wanted to hear rosy affirmations that their corruption was no big deal, that their selfishness and their greed was doing no damage, and that there was no consequence to their behavior of the abuse they were heaping upon one another and their abuses of power. As a result of Jeremiah being compelled to constantly point it out, they would say, Jeremiah, this is why you don't have any friends. He wasn't invited to parties anymore. In fact, folks actively made sure that he wasn't on the guest list. If he came to a wedding, he was always back at that table in the far part of the reception where the weird cousins are, and from experience, the pastor. Jeremiah understood that the life of the prophet wasn't all fun and banquets and games and special invitations. When the message happens to be bad news, you can find yourself alone. In the long arc of the disciples' lives, Jesus' words appear prophetic. Not everyone was keen on the message of peace or reconciliation or grace. And so most of the lives of the disciples ended at best in exile, but for a vast majority of them, martyrdom. So, why don't I just pull my car over and march up to the door of Mr. Happy Flagman and give him a piece of my mind? After all, the flag owner, I assume, by the way, it's a guy. I shouldn't do that. I could be wrong. But he's the one that's being offensive, Why not stick my neck out in prophetic fervor and take on this pathetic yahoo? Isn't that what Jeremiah would have done? Why not march out and just punch a Nazi in the face for Jesus? The answer lies in the opening instruction of what Jesus tells his disciples. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who's worthy and stay there until you leave. When you enter a house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace rest upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. In other words, if my motivation or my driving passion for confrontation carries an intent any other than making peace, I need to move on. Just move on. I don't stop because I have yet to find my need to confront Mr. Flagman with anything that resembles peace, anything that resembles reconciliation, anything that looks like grace. Years ago, there was a little shop, a little tea shop in Omaha, Nebraska, called Marvin Gardens. It was run by a a hippie couple Back in the day when being a hippie couple was actually a thing and not just a style vibe, celestial seasoning teas were new and definitively countercultural and somewhat exotic. That's how long ago this was. It was long before you could buy them in a grocery store, and Marvin Gardens carried them all. There was an elderly, elderly patron at Marvin Gardens, a regular. Who was striving for kind of a Buddhist vibe? A little pointy beard, uh, a loose fitting Tangian jacket with the mandarin collar and the frog buttons. He kindly greeted every patron with a smile and would offer conversation to whomever would engage. Talking to him was the living embodiment of sitting with the hand of the sound of one hand clapping. A friend of mine loved the tea selection at Marvin Gardens, so we would often go. And the slow pace and the low prices and the really great tea cakes made it a frequent choice. Except my friend was passionately evangelical. Please understand, this was back when evangelicals were decidedly apolitical. There was a time. I was told that we were ambassadors of Christ. And ambassadors do not get involved in the local politics of the place to which they are giving representation. And so this was not a political conversation as such. My friend was just disturbed that this old guy clearly did not understand the evils of Buddhist teaching and philosophy. And as far as my friend was concerned, this old guy was on his way to hell. And was in the process of taking far too many with him. So he decided to confront him and challenge what he believed was a heretical hermeneutic of cyclic time found in Buddhism. Good Christians understood that temporal sequence was linear. They engaged for a while. Each question, each argument resulted in my friend becoming progressively more upset. While his target gently and kindly sipped his tea. After several minutes of my friend's attempt to debate and to evangelize this gentleman, he finally softly said, See, we've, we've lost the illumination of peace here. We can continue to talk in a few moments. We'll, we'll pick up the conversation. But I, I fear we're losing our ability to connect with one another peacefully. So let's just take a few moments and enjoy our tea And then we can continue our conversation as you choose. Then with a beatific, zen-like smile, he took another sip of his oolong. I've remembered that occasion, that exchange these many years. Not because the elderly Omaha mystic converted me to Buddhism, but because his attitude, his vibe, his approach to engagement, me as significantly more Christian than that of my evangelist friend. It wasn't the content. It was the character. All of us in our lives have people who oppose how we think, what we do, even who we are. Anonymous neighbors with offensive big flags. Brothers and sisters who have fallen down some spiral of thought, sometimes spinning left, sometimes spinning right. Even parents who abusively deride their own children until for their own sanity and safety they have to cut relationships. And we can argue with them every derisive, every ideological point and we can put ourselves in their face to prove just how wrong they are. But note, when Jesus gave his disciples instructions, his instructions were not about content. His instructions, in fact, say, Let the content take care of itself. Verses 19 and 20. When they hand you over, do not worry about how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that time. For it is not you who speak the spirit of your Father speaking through you. Suggest we spend far too much of our time structuring our arguments. Arguments bullet-pointing our debates, linking little articles and studies that we can email to our opponents in order to prove our point. In the end, I'm afraid we find ourselves behaving more like wolves than sheep. We become like biting serpents and do not convey a dove-like innocence. Sometimes, sometimes. We need to just shut up and sip our tea. Amen. Amen. Please stand and join with me in affirming our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus'